Support for OPB comes from our members and from our sponsors, like Mike Rosenberg from Columbia Credit Union. Mike says they trust what they see and hear on OPB, and that aligns with Columbia Credit Union's brand. This is Think Out Loud on OPB. I'm Dave Miller. The Endangered Species Act was signed into law by President Richard Nixon almost exactly 50 years ago. It's been called one of the strongest environmental laws in the world. It's brought some species back from the brink of extinction. Other protected populations have dwindled to zero. The ESA has also gone from near-unanimous political support to a much more polarized status. Michelle Nyhouse is the author of Beloved Beasts Fighting for Life in an Age of Extinction. She's also a contributing editor of High Country News, where she recently wrote about this anniversary, and she joins us now. Welcome to the show. Hi, Dave. Thanks for having me. It's good to have you on again. What was the big idea behind the Endangered Species Act when it was signed into law in late December of 1973? Well, it was quite a landmark, and it had, as you mentioned, almost unanimous support in Congress, and it had huge support among the general public, uh, this idea that we needed to have a law against the extinction of species. (laughs) We needed to have some sort of legal mechanism that would allow us to prevent this worst-case scenario of human activities driving individual species off the planet forever. Can you give us the basics of the mechanism of the law? I mean, first of all, what does it take for a species to be listed? Well, there are a couple of different ways um, a species can be listed. Uh, The first one is for the Fish and Wildlife Service or the National Marine Fishery Service to propose a species for listing. Uh, But more and more common is for uh, individuals or groups, conservation groups, to propose species for listing. So when you and and the the law itself sets out pretty tight deadlines for the Fish and Wildlife Service or other federal agencies to have to respond to these petitions. So when you hear about environmental or conservation groups suing the Fish and Wildlife Service over endangered species listings, this is usually uh, what it's about. It's about the, the service uh, getting overwhelmed by, by petitions and violating those tight deadlines. What follows from a listing? Let, let's say that a particular animal is listed as threatened or endangered. What kinds of protections or actions can follow? So after a listing happens, and I should say the Fish and Wildlife Service goes through an analysis process, looks at all the science, uh, looks at what the threats are to an individual species, and then makes a decision. Is it is the species, uh, does it fit the definition of threatened? Does it fit the definition of endangered? Uh, And should it be put formally into one of those categories. And once a species is listed, as we say, uh, it becomes uh, illegal for any of us to kill or harm or um, harass individuals from that species. And it also becomes illegal for federal projects or projects requiring or that use federal funding to harm those species or to uh, bring them any closer to extinction. So it's it's quite a powerful law. Those are kind of prohibitions on actions. What what about um, pers- things that where where things are prescribed, where, where you say this has to be done to to bring this animal back? How how explicit is that in federal law? Well, there's the problem. <laughs> uh, the Endangered Species Act in practice has much stronger prohibitions than it does uh, than it does proactive responses. Now species that are 
listed under the Endangered Species Act are supposed to have a recovery plan. Um, but in practice, some of those recovery plans are not completed, um, not put into action. They're, they're not funded properly, um, and so they can't be put into action. So there's a lot of, um, I think, as I said, the Endangered Species Act is very strong in most cases in preventing the situation for a species for getting worse, but it's not as good at improving things for a species. And it's really not good at bringing species back to anything like uh, their former numbers. What's an example of, of a success story under the ESA? Well, probably the most famous success story and one that Northwesterners are going to be familiar with is the bald eagle. Um, I, when I was growing up in the 70s and 80s on the East Coast, I never saw a bald eagle. Uh, now, living in Oregon, I point one out to my teenage my teenager and they are completely unimpressed <laughs> because they are so common. Uh, I've had and that, that exact experience. Yeah. <laughs> and probably when I'm, if I ever get to be 80 or 90, I will still think it's amazing that there are bald eagles in the world. I still am so excited to see them um, because I know how close we came to not being able to see them. Hmm. And, and that is really down to the Endangered Species Act and a lot of hard work by citizens um, bringing the eagle back to, you know, very healthy numbers. Um, another example that we know well are wolves. Uh, there's a good chance we would not have wolves um, anywhere in the West uh, were it not for the Endangered Species Act. Salmon populations would likely be, are they are not doing well, but they would likely be far worse off than they are um, without the Endangered Species Act. A, mm. a couple of small or lesser known examples, um, particular to Oregon, one of them is the Oregon chub that almost went extinct. Um, it's found in the Willamette River Basin, um, and it became the first fish removed from the endangered species list due to recovery in 2015. Uh, what and about, then there's the what about yeah. failures? Failures, yeah. Um, there are some, there are species that have been removed from the endangered species list due to extinction. Um, and in fact, there were 20 or so that were removed this year, but I think the, and those are extremely sad and extreme cases, but it, the bigger problem is that there are many species that are just in stasis, you know, they're, they're not doing well and they don't have a prospect or, you know, they don't have the funding, they don't have the, the person power um, that's going to help them really do better. Hmm. Are there themes that, that stand out to you in terms of these successes and failures? I mean, the, where you can say, you know, this is why broadly these populations have rebounded or at least ha have have stayed relatively stable after, say, in the case of salmon, spending $9 billion over four decades, yeah. um, and, right. and, and, the, and the species that have gone to zero. I mean, what are the themes that stand out to you? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, one other Oregon species I was going to mention is the Fender's blue butterfly, which isn't off the Endangered Species Act yet, but it's it's on its way, and it's been what they call downlisted from endangered to threatened. And that was... The reason that has happened is because there has been this very functional, a very successful collaborative effort um, in the Willamette Valley to restore the prairie habitat that the butterfly needs. So I think that is probably 
other than money, <laughs> which is necessary. Uh, I think having advocates for the species, for the, the, the particular places that that species needs, and perhaps most importantly, having advocates who are willing to work together um, across their many differences to in, in the common cause of protecting a habitat for a very vulnerable species. Hmm. The working together so seems the law, like... It's... The law helps, but the, the collaboration is what brings a species back to health. Well, let's let's turn to that, the, the, the challenges of that collaboration. Because as, yeah. as you mentioned... Um, it was it was a, a, a unanimous Senate vote um, that approved this in the 19, in 1973, and then the U.S. House vote was 390 to 12. Right. When did that bipartisan agreement start to fray? Yeah, I mean, it, the National Rifle Association supported the Endangered Species Act, uh, testified in support of it. So that began to. Ray pretty early on when when people realized, oh, we're not just talking about uh, iconic species like grizzly bears. We're t- we're actually talking about all species, including you know some very small, seemingly insignificant species that that began to create some division over the Endangered Species Act. But really, Congress continued to work together on Endangered Species Act issues. They they continued to make quite practical changes to the law, um, you know, changing requirements, strengthening requirements for recovery plans and that sort of thing um, for another, until the late 1980s, really, all through the Reagan years. And what really, I think, made the divide unworkable was the fight over uh, logging of ancient forests in the Pacific Northwest. Um, In 1988, and those of us who were here at the time will remember this. In 1988, uh, conservationists who were understandably desperate to protect the last ancient forest in the Northwest proposed to list the northern spotted owl as endangered. Uh, Once that happened, the timber industry saw an opportunity to uh, blame the continuing decline of of the timber industry, which was already underway, on the listing of the spotted owl. And that that didn't create divisions between environmentalists and timber communities. Uh, they, those were already in, in place, but it, it made them much, much, much wider. And I think, again, those of us who were here at the time remember just how extraordinarily bitter those politics were. Even though we eventually got the Northwest Forest Plan, which provided economic support to timber communities and protected a lot of the remaining old growth, those that political divide was nationalized and it remains in Congress. Uh, and Congress has not successfully agreed on an update to the Endangered Species Act since then. So there have been regulatory changes, but really the law is kind of stuck in the 80s. Hmm. Um, and it has not been um, adapted significantly to deal with, you know, as we know, very challenging current circumstances. Like climate change. Like climate change, um, you know, like increasing development, like increasing human, all kinds of increasing human pressures on uh, vulnerable species. The explicit purpose of the law is to, quote, provide a means whereby the ecosystems upon which endangered species and threatened species depend may be conserved. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, it was I, it was really interesting for me to, to, to read that because so often um, 
in terms of the actions that are done to to help specific species, it seems much more local and and sort of small bore. I mean, just recently we talked about the the plan to shoot many 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 barred owls to save spotted owls. We've talked in the past about shooting seals in order to save salmon because because the the seals are in the quote unquote wrong place as far as humans are concerned mm-hmm. about salmon recovery. But those those efforts and they're you know they're not. Um, there are other kinds of efforts, but but those don't really affect the overall habitat. I'm curious how much in the application of the Endangered Species Act, efforts have focused on ecosystem level conservation. Well, that's been a long discussion, probably since the Endangered Species Act was passed. Do we need something like an Endangered Ecosystems Act? And, you know, E.O. Wilson the biologist has referred to species, and I believe I'm quoting him correctly when he has said that they're the species are the fundamental unit of conservation. They're in a sense the currency of conservation. They're what we use um, as a as a rough measure of how a system is doing. In do other words, have? so for example, if there's a mm-hmm. northern spotted owl in a forest, it's a sign that there is a version yes. of a, of a kind of old growth forest that existed before humans chopped down all the trees, before we, we made massive changes in the landscape. So it's to focus on the spotted owl, you're not only focusing on this one owl. That, that's the argument? You're using it in a sense as a approximation of the health of an ecosystem. But what, um, what, what would a version of, uh, of an endangered ecosystem or endangered habitat act i mean what how might that be different well that's <laughs> i think that's where the discussion always uh always ends up getting hung up is that species are <laughs> species are not easy to measure in many cases but they are much easier to measure than um much easier to measure the health of than an entire ecosystem or an entire habitat so how how would you design a law that would be that would be precise enough whose outlines would be precise enough that they would be enforceable and i think people get stuck there um but i i think the bigger question is the endangered species act is supposed to be an emergency room for species i mean if we really want to protect ecosystems what we have to do is provide funding to the state agencies who are responsible for keeping healthy species healthy and therefore healthy ecosystems healthy. <laughs> uh, the fact that we are in this horrible position of having to decide whether it's okay to shoot barred owls is really a reflection, not of a weakness in the Endangered Species Act, but a weakness in our society's approach to conservation in general. Hmm. If we had more if we had more ancient forests, we wouldn't have to be as worried about the northern spot at all. Um, you know, if we had managed our ecosystems better uh, and prevented, you know, and, and not provided a bridge from east to, to west for the barred owl, we would not be in this position. So I, I think it's really a sign that we need, we just need much, much more proactive conservation. Um, there's a, there's a law in Congress, I mean, a bill in Congress right now that's a, 
unusually, a bipartisan bill called the Recovering America's Wildlife Act that would provide stable funding to state agencies for this very purpose. And I think it's much needed uh, because we we really have spent um, too much time thinking of the Endangered Species Act of the end-all be-all as the end-all be-all of conservation. And it's a very powerful, indispensable law, but it's not enough. Michelle Nyhouse, thanks very much. Thank you. Michelle Nyhouse is a contributing editor of High Country News. She wrote there recently about the Endangered Species Act at 50. She's also the author of the book Beloved Beasts, Fighting for Life in an Age of Extinction. Here's something we're thinking about for a possible future show. Over the weekend, a plane that took off from Portland International Airport lost a piece of its fuselage minutes into its flight. We've since learned that the plane had already been flagged for safety issues. Meanwhile, the New York Times has been reporting that because of air traffic control lapses, close calls involving commercial airlines happen multiple times a week. How are you feeling right now about air travel and what would increase your confidence in the overall system? You can leave us a voicemail at 503-293-1983. Thanks very much for tuning in to Think Out Loud on OPB and KLCC. I'm Dave Miller. We'll be back tomorrow. Think Out Loud is supported by Stephen Jan Oliva, the Rose E. Tucker Charitable Trust, Michael, Kristen, Andrew Kern, and Anna Sanford. <laughs>